Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers show. Now, this week's guest is Howard Cosby, who's a managing partner of a business process auditing firm, or forensic accounting as some people would term it. And uh, Howard and myself struck up a friendship talking about all things finance and outside of finance. And uh, one thing I I really enjoy when I, I hear about Howard's stories is how his work leverages the fundamentals of accounting in the first place it comes back to that learning about the business from the fundamental transactions and using those insights and intelligence to learn from and provide that assurance assurance that assets are being safeguarded and the business is sustainable and hopefully is set on a good course or a good path for growth so there are a number of the types of areas we cover during this conversation you know, some of the things we touch on is how forensic accounting lays the groundwork for successful business process audits and actually why a lot of these audits aren't being done successfully. And, and one of the encouraging things to me around the insights Howard shares is that for those auditors or traditional accountants fearful of the advances of technology, there is a massive role for good quality audits in all organizations. And, and Howard actually talks about the importance of SMEs as well, not just large enterprises. And how if we learn to work with technology, we can actually uh, continue to remain relevant and create and capture more value for the organizations we serve as service providers or as employees. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it with Howard. And if you did, please don't forget to share with your friends and colleagues and also subscribe at the major platforms we're on, which is iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And really appreciate you investing your time with us. So without further ado, over to Howard and the show. Howard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. A pleasure to be uh, on this podcast and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and me too, Howard. And like, uh, you know, we got the chance to meet at a, a recent finance summit and uh, we had plenty of great conversations uh, into the evenings on a couple of occasions. Sure. So I'm really excited about sharing your, your thoughts and experience with our audience. So before we get into that, perhaps would you mind briefly going through uh, your story and your career? In accounting and finance? Yeah, sure. Background is what one might describe as fairly typical, having uh, worked in London in a mainstream accountancy practice, learning one's way through the normal path of doing year-end audits alongside some taxation and accountancy type work as part of the qualification process. The organisation that I worked with was an organisation, although it was about top 10 practice in the UK it was only of that size as a consequence of a series of mergers and what particularly appealed to me why I joined that organization rather than some others including one of the big four practices that 
offered me a position was because of that breadth of opportunity to work with a diversity of clients. So although there were some large organizations, some very large organizations that were clients of that uh, that firm that I trained with, uh, I enjoyed particularly working with some of the SMEs and uh, felt that there was a, a lot more that could be done for SMEs and as a consequence have taken my career in an unusual path in some respects whereby I've gone into uh, forensic accounting and business process audits, enabling organisations of all sizes uh, to improve their business processes as as a consequence of uh, what our audits reveal for them. And this very specialised and focused audit area uh, is something that I've, I've grown to become uh, pretty passionate about and I've been involved in doing that for really the majority of my work in life now. And Howard, I suppose that that's interesting that you've, you've developed from the audit into the business process auditing. Like, what what's the main difference there between your traditional end of year financial audit? The detail. We really get underneath the skin of the client organisation. We're looking into the transactions that are entered into with that organisation and third parties to a degree that, to be frank, was unimaginable a few decades ago because with the advances of technology, we're able to get down to line level detail and be looking at the accountings that have taken place between those organisations and their supplier base and customers and other third parties. And we're actually able to verify whether things are going right which is, of course, the case in the vast majority of instances, uh, and, and indeed where things are going wrong and perhaps why they're going wrong and how they can be improved for the future. So it's a very much a hands-on relationship with the client in the, the true functionality of the business, uh, which is, of course, very different from the, the year-end role, uh, which, of course, uh, you know, I was involved in doing for a number of organisations previously. Yeah, so so look, I, it's an area I wouldn't be familiar with, and I guess some of our audience as well. I, I would say the word forensic gets my attention. It sounds very sexy, very much like those um, TV dramas that my wife Katie watches on TV on CSI, and I don't even know the names of them. I just know she watches them. Yeah. So like when you use the word forensic, is is that the case that it's, it's used to refer to what's hands-on? Are there any sort of other specific type of techniques you, you, you use? Well, Most of the groundwork is done by deploying an audit program and data routines which identify where there are things that perhaps are worthy of investigation and it is then the expertise of our personnel comes into play uh, to make sure that those things are then investigated thoroughly and to a conclusion. So it is an interesting mix of science, data, and, of course, expertise. Um, So in some respects, yeah, it's it's not that dissimilar from uh, the silent witness uh, type of programs (laughs) without, uh, to be perfectly frank, anybody ever being sent to prison. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that's good to hear. Although, I, although I'm just trying to think, you know, for someone working in their career and seeing a way maybe towards this 
forensic path and by the way i love the fact that it's um the audit's done and it's just not left there which sometimes i feel the case is with the, the financial end audits like okay you go in i was one of my frustrations actually you go in you you sort of have a look at things things probably could work better because you've seen it work better elsewhere and you'd love to make that recommendation to, to add a bit more value it's, it seems like there's a lot of value there in terms of the skill set of the person required to execute and deliver these jobs effectively you know that you said there's a lot of mix of sort of data science i guess client facing as well like like what are the the key skills howard folks should be looking to develop in order to be successful in this space one of the key things without a shadow of a doubt is the stakeholder engagement uh, attributes the uh, organization largely that we work with in the past have tended to be organized of some size, some considerable size. And uh, as a consequence, you are working with a multiplicity of, of stakeholders. So one could be dealing with uh, procurement uh, functions, one could be dealing with logistics, one could be dealing with marketing, one's dealing with finance, internal audit, people responsible for the tax areas of, the, of, of a particular client business. And we therefore have to have a skill set which enables us to engage appropriately with all of those uh, people and to be frank across a, a number of levels as well so from c-suite right down to the uh, people who are responsible in the accounts receivable functions etc 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 yeah it, it sounds it sounds like you're really um how do you say involved or could be potentially involved in all parts of the value chain at some point in, in in your dealing so so it must must require a very good level of business understanding is is there a, I, I suppose i i mean i'm thinking obviously all organizations should probably be doing some form of this activity if 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 they were you know not not to put you out of business now howard or anything but what sort of steps could could uh, i suppose listeners take to ensure that at least they're doing the basics right of, of covering off these areas and improving, improving their audit and their business process. I think the most important thing is that the type of audits that we can undertake, of course I would say this, are best carried out by independent third-party professionals. That doesn't mean that there's not a lot of the uh, processes that we undertake that can't actually be transferred into the client organization uh, in the right way uh, at the right time. Uh, but in the first instance, it's about finding out what is not going the way that it should be. And the only way to do that is to undertake a review, an audit, and then you work on how you can help the client improve their processes. And it is often the case that we don't know what is going to be found within a client organisation. We have, of course, through our experience, have an idea of the various processes that need to be reviewed and indeed what the things are that we're likely to find. But they run to several hundred different process tests that we undertake and in any organization that mix is very varied ultimately what we're talking about is not only about bringing value into the business uh, but also bringing intelligence i.e identifying things that the business was not actually previously aware of 
as well as the regime of testing the the controls the technologies the processes the people uh, you're providing assurance and you're also if you do the job properly you're bringing learnings to the client organization uh, you know a, a, a flight path towards improvement yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at it, Howard, because um, essentially in finance and accounting, we can be very reactive. We're you know, looking at transactions after the fact and probably trying to meet some sort of deadlines as well. Uh, so things can get fairly time compressed. So maybe we're just not finding ourselves a space to, to kick the tires. It's never, it's never on the top of the to-do list. The type of work that we undertake is never on the top of the to-do list. <laughs> And that, it's important. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, never it's important. It? And indeed, the certain elements are indeed carried out, particularly in the larger organisations. But one of the things that we're driving forward is the fact that having pioneered this work in very large organisations, we can now take this to lesser enterprises and on an economic basis so that there are organisations that have not previously undertaken this type of work could now actually have a, a service which is an information service that pays for itself and actually provides a very a very good ROI. So an organisational review process, which can be undertaken, you know, to be perfectly frank, at, at any time, but is often comes to the top of the surface or towards the top of the to-do list when organisations are going through significant change like systems, transformations and the like. Yeah, where it really should feel like one of those sort of continuous practices. Indeed. Uh, safety blanket. Uh, <laughs> it's for, ironic for, that. For sure, for sure, yeah. No, I, I, one thing that caught my attention, what you just said there, Howard, it's, um, it's something I've been trying to drive since we've um, since we started the podcast. It, it's to you know get finance professionals to think about the value we're offering, you know, not, not to... You know, we're very good at, at, at um, having our NPV, net present value formulas and, and reducing things to numbers. But uh, but also just, just making sure that, you know, we do a great job preserving value, but actually driving value for the business. So when you said economic value and, and ROI there, have you got an approach that sort of, or, or, or in terms of what you do around the business processes that allows you to, to, to communicate value back to the organizations you work with? Yes, there's a very direct, and clearly attributable benefit to the services. That is one of the things that uh, clients enjoy the most. There's no need for anybody to feel that this is something that will be anything other than financially positive in terms of an undertaking in in any client organisation. And the way that we approach the work is very similar to the the, the way that many finance professionals within business are working now, which is that there's, there's much more uh, what you would call collaborative uh, approach towards uh, what is effectively a knowledge management service. So it's very much about making sure that there's clarity about what is happening within any client environment and uh, making the most of the, the, the knowledge that accrues from the services that are provided. I suppose this will be really helpful for for our audience, Howard, in terms of is there like a, a, a story, an example you could share with us where you're able to sort of um, trap and communicate that value? Because I think that's what a lot of us struggle with is we know we're contributing to value somehow, just, just maybe how to communicate that value 
Is there any sort of stories you could share or a story you could share in terms of how you did that and, and we, could, we could sort of learn from? Yes, obviously on an anonymous basis because of client confidentiality, but there's one particular client organisation that springs to mind where we were asked to look into a particular activity uh, that there were concerns around. The organisation had asked a, another team to go in there previously and after a relatively short period of time, uh, that team had basically said there was nothing that they could do, nothing that could be found. And we undertook the exercise and within a very, very short space of time, circa six months or so, uh, we'd identified and, and improved client profits by the thick end of a million pounds as a consequence of the assignment that we undertook. And it's about investment. It's about putting the right people in the right place at the right time and also having the the, the right approach and in particular the, the, the appropriate stakeholder engagement. And there have been instances similarly where clients have then come and said to us, okay, this, this is a non-core process. It's clearly not working terribly effectively. What can we do to improve the controls around this area? And we've worked with clients to help them improve that, you know, that particular area going forward. And they've found it uh, to be extremely valuable, not in terms only of the immediate uh, return of monies into the organisation, but also in terms of the, 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 the future improvements in the way that the, the, the business is, is, is operating. Uh, look, um, that's very positive for us, Howard. Because whether whether you know we're in practice or whether we're in a corporate or even a small size entity, I think uh, our training gives us very good groundwork to go and assess controls, and uh, you know at least sort of set a decent path forward of what works well and, and could work better. And uh, you know, in terms of maybe putting a value on that could work better, it's great to hear that you know you can identify and isolate. Uh, particular values for clients and, and I, I would encourage um, everyone listening to the show to actually do similar uh, to call out the, the the bottom line impact we're contributing because um, you know I think there's more to us than just uh, preserving value in organizations is also us uh, creating and capturing more so Howard thanks thanks for you know showing us how you know how it can be done and that it can be done um, I'd like to uh, also get your thoughts I suppose on on you know what's maybe exciting you most about finance or your current work at the moment? Without a shadow of a doubt, it's the fact that we are now able to take the work beyond the very large enterprises. We are actually able now to provide good, meaningful relationships to uh, much smaller organisations than was ever previously the case. That to be frank, is exciting to me because it was something that I was always passionate about. I mentioned that I went into the professional services service line with a view, largely to be blunt, to trying to help smaller organisations to a greater degree than I felt the, the profession was. And there was, to be blunt, a, a time when I was sidetracked into working with very large organisations for a number of very good reasons. But to be frank, the problems that arise within the very large enterprises are not that dissimilar from the, the, the same things that we see in the, in, in the SME organisations that we're working with. You cannot 
get away from the fact that most of the processes are reasonably robust, but there will be instances, could be pressured timelines, it could be a particular period where, uh, to be frank, key personnel are away from the business for whatever reason, uh, where things get dropped somehow, some way. And it's identifying those particular uh, areas of the business and those particular times of the business, seeking out the vulnerabilities, uh, which is important. That's it's great ideas, actually, on areas to look for. And I, I really appreciate making this point, Howard. It's um, it's definitely one passion that, that drove me towards uh, doing these podcasts was trying to take some enterprise-level finance experiences and making them available to smaller, medium-sized enterprises that, let's be face it, a lot of our economies are still driving tremendous uh, job prospects and, and economic results. And, you know, I think in terms of sustainability, we need to keep doing that and be mindful of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really delighted that um, you found your way there because I, I know, speaking with you previously as well, you know, we share a very similar passion for smaller and medium-sized enterprises and wanting to see them be successful. Without a shadow of a doubt. And one of the things that I think is uh, extremely important to the the organisations that uh, perhaps cannot afford the huge ERP systems that the larger organisations can, it's, it's even more important that you have uh, these type of uh, independent reviews undertaken because you don't know what you don't know. And that's the, the, the reality of the situation. We've put uh, a lot of effort into providing a service that is non-disruptive. And most people can't believe how non-disruptive it is until they've actually experienced it. But at the end of the day, we would put everything into making sure that the client's needs uh, come first. It's a a very client-centric area of work. Ultimately, the vast majority of the clients are organisations who have said that they are only too pleased that they undertook the work and indeed that they would uh, repeat it in due course, um, the, the measurable value that was driven out. Yeah, that's that's great there. And again, I think I think what you've done, um, you know, in this podcast hours, you really showed us, uh, or given us encouragement that it is possible to go demonstrate value to uh, the organisations we support, uh, whether internally or or from external. So, thank you for doing that. And in terms of continuing that thread of advice, um, what perhaps has been the best bit bit of advice you've ever received? Uh, well, on a a personal level. I can't answer it as a single piece of advice. It's advice that I'm sure plenty of other people have have heard before, but really it's two two pieces of advice, both from my father when I first heard them, which was enjoy your job, do your best and learn from it. And just can't emphasise enough about the fact that if you've got a passion, able to get yourself into something that you really, really enjoy in the same way that I have, uh, then everything becomes a, a lot easier. Uh, but ultimately, it is always about continuously learning. And that's the great joy that comes from working with this huge variety of people and organisations. That, without a shadow of a doubt, something that I, I, I never have achieved if I hadn't gone down the route that I did. And I wanted to go into accountancy because of the fact that I knew that it would give me a chance to see businesses of a wide range of sectors 
and uh, I also, of course, as I say, managed to get underneath the skin of those businesses to a degree that I never thought was possible um, a, a few decades ago. Yeah, that's um, that's excellent advice there, Howard. And I think it also helps that not only are you doing that, but you're also contributing meaningful value yeah. back to them. Yeah, that's captured, and and I think that's a very good theme emerging here. It's actually. Uh, seeking that out and focusing on it so we can do more of it and it's like a flywheel you know it just um, builds and builds a positive momentum uh, for not just your own career but for the organizations you're supporting too that's absolutely right there aren't negatives that's the key thing it is a virtuous circle without a shadow of a doubt and um in, i suppose then in terms of any any resources you found useful? Would there be perhaps any books or movies you could recommend our audience go check out? Well, I'm a, I'm a great believer in human psychology aspects. When one's dealing with things perhaps not going quite right, uh, you can sometimes feel that you're, you're, you're treading on toes and so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm a fan of somebody called Matthew Syed. I don't know if you're familiar with him. And some of his books are, are are very well worth reading. One in particular that I you know, go back to on, on more than one occasion is something uh, called Guns, Germs and Steel uh, by a writer called Jared Diamond, uh, which effectively talks about uh, humankind's development and so on and so forth. And I, I think as a as a as a base point, it's remarkably helpful, as I say, to to, to help in terms of understanding the human condition. Um, I don't have I don't have anything other than admiration for the amount of research that uh, Diamond did, and as I say, I'd recommend it to anybody as a as a, as a good read. I always find those books fascinating, you know, where, where people have researched our, our ancestry, so to say, and how we've developed and how the brains developed and all those minds. So I, yeah. I look forward to uh, to checking that one out, Howard, and I guess. You know, in terms of uh, connecting with you, if people want to continue the conversation, how's best uh, to go about that? We do have a website, which is uh, very simply uh, vero-europe.com, um, which you can uh, find our organisation. And we have, I think, Andrew, there's, there's plenty of other elements of what Strength and Numbers is trying to achieve uh, that I would be only too happy to contribute towards at some point in the future. So hopefully this isn't the last time that, uh, uh, I appear on one of your podcasts. Um, but the one thing that I will say is that for those organisations that are unfamiliar with this type of work, and to be blunt, I think it's 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 more subterranean uh, than, than a lot of professional services um, then feel free to reach out to me and um, uh, be delighted to have a conversation uh, with uh, anybody who's who's, who's looking to, to try to move their business onward and upward that's fantastic Howard and what I will do is I'll put those details into the show notes uh, that accompany okay. this episode so I'll put those links in Howard and I, I, I guess you know like you've been really great at showing advice I love the, the the fact that uh, you're sort of leading the way in, in some extent in terms of capturing and demonstrating the value finance and our finance skills can offer organizations. Uh, are there any other sort of parting thoughts you'd wish to leave our audience with, Howard? I think there's, there's one thing which is important to me. Um, a, a while back now, I was mentored by somebody who was 
extremely successful and has uh, been involved in raising finance for a, a large number of organisations, particularly in the UK. And as a consequence, he, he, he really has worked with the top levels of management within the UK. And one of the things that always stuck with me was when he said that, in his view, the best CEOs uh, were accountants, possibly followed pretty closely by engineers. Uh, but those analytical skills uh, were something that he felt were hugely important uh, to business. And uh, all I will say is that uh, for the people who go into finance and accounting professions nowadays, uh, I really would see it as perhaps not just a, a single route into uh, CFO-type positions, but also uh, why not aim for the top slot as well? Because I, I, I have to say, I do tend to agree with him over what I've seen across a, a wide range of businesses over quite a long period of time now. So th there's no limit, I think, to people who uh, go through our, our profession in the right way. Yeah, that's that's brilliant how like like what a way to to end this episode and this uh, this conversation because yep. it's, again it's been very encouraging uh, just okay. to sort of end on what's happened and also what potentially we can aim for in the future too so howard uh, really appreciate you investing your time with us today and coming on the show my pleasure andrew and uh, look forward as i say hopefully to be uh, speaking to you again sometime soon so there you have it hope you enjoyed today's show if you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.